Coming up on Abounding Grace. Anyone that has served God for any length of time knows there are seasons where doubt creeps in. And we really need to, to examine ourselves as whether we're in the faith. And we need to, as one author put it in the scriptures, make our calling and election sure. And there's an ongoing work of the Lord, an unfolding of God's plan for a man's life, for a woman's life, that the ministry often unfolds piece by piece and section by section, where at one point we might see, oh, I could see my whole life doing this, and yet through the Lord, he says, no, Mike, I'm with you, but there's a new direction for you, or I'm with you, and I want you to stay on this direction. This is amazing grace. There is only one way to bring peace to the heart, joy to the mind, and beauty to a life. It is to accept and live in the will of God. Welcome to Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is currently developing his study of the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, where we're drawing rich application for our lives. Today, we'll return to a story probably familiar to most of you. When God was looking for the second king of Israel, a 16-year-old shepherd boy caught his eye. Most in that day, I'm sure, thought this was a poor choice. But God saw a young man who was after his own heart. Here's Pastor Ed relating it to God's anointing on our own lives and ministry. Back to um, 1 Samuel chapter 16. Samuel saw and he was wrong. God corrected him, verse 8. So Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen thee. And Samuel said, verse 11, said to Jesse, Are all the young men here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in, and now he was ruddy, with bright eyes and good-looking. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. What a day that would be. Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. It even appears, doesn't it, that his dad was caught up in seeing only because David wasn't, ever, wasn't invited. Oh, yeah, I got another one, but he's kid and he's out with the sheep, but that was the one. I mean, we just have to be so careful to be led by the Spirit of God and not by our own decisions and not by our own understanding God isolates the one who will be king of Israel and Samuel anoints him and the spirit of God came upon him. And that little David, that little ruddy, good-looking kid was a faithful son, a shepherd and a loving caretaker of the flocks. He had, what was, he had it in him to be the man that he would grow up to lead. David had all the qualities that were perfectly suited for caring for the flock of God even as a kid. And it's so beautiful and wonderful to watch the parents in our congregation 
uh, have their kids serving and getting involved. And it's, it's amazing just knowing and, the, and letting the kids at every age level um, be involved in the ministry because you don't want to write your kids off. It doesn't matter how old they are and we want to provide environments for them to be faithful so that God can raise them up and anoint them into the ministry that God has called them to. David is anointed king, but remember Saul is still on the throne. And this will be lead to a time of patient, trying times for David. Times of deep testing, like no other time. It's important to notice even in David's life, uh, if you want to jot it down, that David was anointed three times. He was anointed here. He's anointed again in 2 Samuel chapter 2. And he was also anointed again in 2 Samuel chapter 5. He wasn't anointed again because the first anointings didn't take. It wasn't something like that. But this repetition of anointing speaks of the ongoing work and the confirmation of the Lord. Anyone that has served God for any length of time knows there are seasons where doubt creeps in. And we really need to, to examine ourselves as whether we're in the faith. And we need to, as one author put it in the scriptures, make our calling and election sure. And there's an ongoing work of the Lord. An unfolding of God's plan for a man's life, for a woman's life. That the ministry often unfolds piece by piece and section by section. Where at one point we might see, oh, I could see my whole life doing this. And yet through the Lord, he says, no, Mike, I'm with you, but there's a new direction for you. Or I'm with you and I want you to stay on this direction. That unfolding of the will of God. Anointing is recognized by others in stages as well. You look at your own life and see how you've matured over the years. You see how God has matured you and gave you more responsibility where in one stage of your life you were anointed. For example, in my life, I look at it in my life. I was anointed in one stage of my life to serve in the Sunday school. And, and that was a beautiful, wonderful time. It was very difficult for me when I had to go to, the, to Pastor Rudy and say, I, 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 because of the work of the Lord in my life, I can't serve in the Sunday school anymore because I'm going to begin doing this uh, over here. And then there was another time in my life where there was an anointing on my life to open up a community group in our little apartment. And, and then the anointing again, when that community group overflew our little apartment, people were outside on the stairs, on the outside looking in the windows, and we went to another home. And then, and then another anointing of the Lord, like the confirmation of the Lord to say, no, we need to even get a bigger home. And then another confirmation of the Lord, when with that whole little home Bible study, we had to divide it into two, and then the Lord moved me on into another area of ministry. And, and it's the same with you. As it comes with David, you, when you come to fight battles, and you gain victory, and you see the Lord growing you and maturing you, you start, you know, very much like a little ruddy kid taking care of somebody else's sheep. And when you show yourself faithful with that, what does the Bible say? God will make you ruler of many. Often the opposite is happens. It's unfortunate, but many people will approach the ministry in a different way and just say, no, I'm anointed of the Lord, and, and I want it all right now. Well, just like the children of Israel, when the children of Israel were leaving uh, Egypt, God told them that he wasn't going to drive out the enemy all at once. He was going to drive them out what? Little by little. Because you couldn't take it if you took, you couldn't, you couldn't handle everything. Uh, the children of Israel wouldn't be able to handle everything if the Lord just wiped out the enemy. There'd be no battle. There'd be no growth. There'd be no defeat. There'd be no learning how to get up again. There'd be no learning trusting in the Lord. And all the circumstances in your life is that unfolding work of the Holy Spirit in your life showing you, guiding you, leading you into stronger, more fruitful parts of life. Even a failure. 
Even falling on your face is used by the Lord. David becomes what? I would say an incredible man. This little kid. An incredible man forgotten by his dad. Ignored by his dad. We'll see later, um, you know, all that little internal rivalry that siblings have. His brothers didn't like him. And, and that rivalry was happening. And he becomes not only an incredible man, but the Bible says he becomes a man after God's own heart, unlike anyone the world has ever seen, save Jesus. God used him in such an incredible way that even in David's life, what has he become but a type and a picture of Jesus himself in so many ways. Don't write yourself off of the Lord taking you and ask for that fresh. You know, when we think of anointing, uh, even now, we're not going to take a horn of oil or a big thing of Crisco oil and pour it over your head, you know, and it's like, here's the anointing as they did even in the Old Testament. Anointing becomes even symbolic of the presence of God in his hand upon your life. Where you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, then God anoints you for ministry and service. This isn't just for pastors, and it's not just for teachers, and it's not just for leaders. If you're a lawyer here today, you want the anointing of God in your law practice. You want to be an anointed lawyer with the presence of God. If you're a nurse here and you're walking into a patient, you want, to be a, you want the anointing of God to be the nurse that not only represents the medical community, but represents the Lord in that room. Not only if, if you have, if, if you're driving a truck and you want the anointing of God to be the best truck driver that will draw people's attention, you want the anointing and the presence and the power of God. You want to be doing things in the Lord's strength, not in your own strength. You want to be doing things knowing that God has you there. Because you know when doubts come up, you go, no, Lord, Lord has put me here. And you could use the phrase, no, I have the anointing of God for this position. This is where God wants me. This is where he led me. This is where he empowered me. This is why I went to school. This is what I wanted to be when I was a little kid. You know, little did David know that he would be taking care of the children of Israel as he took care of the flock. But he wanted, he took care of the flock because he wanted to take care of the flock. And he was a good shepherd boy. And the characteristics and the qualities of that good shepherd boy led him to be a good king. Not without failure, but isn't that true for all of our lives? You can be a man or a woman after God's heart and still blow it. And whenever I think of that, it's like, oh Lord, protect us. Protect us. Saul was an impatient man. He's going to go after David. He's still on the throne. David, on the other hand, patiently waited. And so must we. Verse 14. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said to him, Surely a distressing servant from, the God is, from God is troubling you. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp, and it shall be that he will play with his hand when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. So Saul said to his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well and bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, one who is skilled, skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. He's already recognizable that the hand of the Lord is with him. So therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey, loaded with bread, a skin of wine, and a young goat, and sent them by his son David to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, 
that David would take a harp and play it with his hand, and then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. An even more dramatic change hits King Saul as the spirit of the Lord departed from him. That's the bigger part of this verse, verse 14. The spirit of the Lord departed from him. The relationship of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is different than the relationship that you and I have with the Holy Spirit in the New Covenant. In the New Covenant, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell you, seal you, and is permanently in you. In the Old Testament, you'll find many times where the Spirit of God would come upon a man and leave a man. Come upon a man and leave a man. And this is an example. And again, the critic will come to this, or the Bible question. Maybe you've had a question, not necessarily being a critic, but seeing, you know, how is it possible that God would send a distressing spirit? Well, what is that? And if asking that question, which is a great question, I'll answer it in a moment, don't miss the more important part of this section. The more important part of this section is God is done with Saul. He's done. How do we know that? The Spirit of the Lord departed him. Remember another occasion in the Old Testament that takes place in the book of Judges? Remember in Samson's life? He was so far from the Lord that he didn't even recognize that the Spirit of the Lord departed from him. That's how hard he was. And so there's distressing spirit came. And in this distressing spirit, this is one of those difficult Bible questions. What is it? What is this distressing spirit? Well, here are some options. Number one, God, you could say that in our lives, God puts a wall of protection around his people like we read of in the book of Job. And this is really just a, an example of God removing his protective hand from Saul and demonic activity increased as a result. That's a, that's a possibility. Or secondly, God is, control, is in control of all even the demonic realm. And that is that even the demons are submissive and subservient to him when needed. And that's also a biblical possibility. You can also put both of them together as a possibility to answer what's happening here. Evil spirits and Satan himself can't do anything without the Lord's permission. And as such, demons serve the purpose of God. Either way, one, two, or both of them, Saul's in bad shape. And he's in the worst shape of his life due to his rebellious sin. Because he had it. He was right where he needed to be. The hand of the Lord upon him. Supporting and strengthening him. The spirit of God upon him. And now this distressing spirit comes. Which is... By the way, when we pray for people that are in sin, we pray that the Lord would change their hearts. We pray that... Um, you know, a lot of times when somebody walks away from the Lord and they're just out living in the world of prodigal life, part of my prayer, and we do, we pray that the Lord would bring them to the end of themselves. We pray that God would get their attention. We pray that they remember what they learned in Sunday school. There's a lot of things that we pray. But one of the things I pray is they would not be happy. They would be distressed in their current sin. I pray that. I pray that, they, that the consequences and the difficulty of their life will cause them to turn back to the Lord. Yes, we pray that the love of God leads a man to repentance. Of course, for sure. But in the story of the prodigal son, we see it was the, the, the overarching love of God, but it was the misery of his circumstances that got his attention. And so a lot of times when husbands will leave their wives or wives will leave their husband, we just pray, Lord, make it miserable for them. Remind them of your love and remind them of your mercy and remind them of their grace and don't let them be happy in their current condition, Lord. Uh, we don't know how God's going to answer that. But we do know this, when you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. That's just the way it is. It may not happen right away. 
It, it may not happen immediately. And sometimes that fools people into thinking they're getting away with something. It's not true. Saul was miserable. The love of God didn't turn him. The misery doesn't turn him. And in the distress, he looks to, I think, a, a, a solid response in the, the playing of music calmed his spirit. When the music was played by David, they find David. David has a great reputation. He's skillful in playing. He's a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, handsome person. The Lord is with him in this time in his life. We see that because of the music, the skillful player, the distressing spirits left. It's not surprising because I think that there's a power in praise, don't you? Test it. And I know it's kind of a crazy test, but test it and put on, you know, some political station on AM and drive to work and see how miserable you are by the time you get there. (laughs) It's just not edifying. It's frustrating. It's difficult. And you woke up so encouraged, and then because you were listening to some, some political thing, you're like, oh, are you all right? I'll just listen to the radio. You know, it's like, and then on your way home, put on Kayla for some music or Way FM. And if you want some Bible study, put on Grace, Grace FM and, and, and see if it doesn't have an, a spiritual effect on you immediately. It does. And I would say this, worship speaks right to the heart. And when I'm discouraged, or when I'm down, when I'm feeling attacked by the enemy, whenever I even feel the attacks of the demonic realm and the spiritual warfare, I found that one of the best things that I can do is just put a couple of things into my ear and find something on my phone that will just speak to my soul. Because praise does wonders. Music moves you. And the music that glorifies God moves you more into the presence of the Lord. I would suggest that that be a normal, regular part of your life. That worship and praise and music that glorifies God. You know, David's known in Psalm in 2 Samuel 23 as the sweet psalmist of Israel. That you would turn your attention and letting the music minister to your heart. I found that one of the keys in my life, personally is to listen to the music that God used in those formative years as a new believer. It's way out of date now. Um, But it takes me back to a time where I remember from where I've fallen, I repent, and I start to repeat the first works. And even uh, our worship leader, Dan, um, that we had all the time that we were at Calvary uh, in Downey has gone home to be with the Lord. So even now, when I listen to that music, it takes me back to a time and it also takes me into heaven because I know that's where Dan is and, and knowing that the Lord is just probably, he's just got his, he got his harp right at the gate. He got his harp. He's a worship leader. Here's your harp and just start playing, man. I mean, it's such a beautiful thing. And for some of you, you got saved here and some of the music that Pastor Ian has led, you know, we go back a few years and you're just like, okay, Lord, yes, yes, it's good. It's, it's worth my investment putting music into my heart. And that's where it would happen. Even in verse 23, it says Saul would become refreshed and well because of the music that was played for him. It's just something to look at. Um, as you look forward, we're not going to develop it because we're out of time, but in verse 18 it says, one of the servants answered and said, look, I've seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who's skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, handsome person, and the Lord is with him. This is the key to his success. 
Not all the outward descriptions, but the key to his success is in contrast to verse 14, when the Lord departed, where the Spirit of the Lord departed. Now David, his success is the Lord is with him. Just like the mighty men before him, Joseph in Genesis chapter 39, Joshua in Joshua chapter 6, Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3, all of us have the Lord with us as believers, and we see success because of God's faithfulness in our lives. It's his work in our lives. It's his grace. It's his sanctifying grace that moves us for us. And so what did that do in David? What, is the, what, is it, what should it do in you and me that know that the Lord is with us? It builds our confidence. It builds our faith. Uh, faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. It, it builds our courage. And not only that, it says that David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. He was also a man of love and commitment and loyalty. And it's so encouraging that God replaces Samuel's mourning with a deep love for David. So quickly, the faithfulness of God. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Today's message represents a portion of a study in 1 Samuel. And if you missed any part, just go online to calvaryaurora.org or request the CD at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. We have a couple of apps that we think you'll enjoy and benefit from. They're free and available on all platforms. Do a search for the Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps. Ed, you just got back from Israel. Would you give us some of the highlights? Well, Larry, we did just get back from Israel, and you can probably hear it in my voice. I came back a little sick, a little stuffed up. Uh, I came back with a lot of jet lag, but what a trip it was. I am so encouraged. I think I've been to Israel now eight or nine times, taking groups on tours through the Holy Land, doing our devos in, standing in the Sea of Galilee, walking where Jesus walked, going up on Mount Carmel where Elijah fought the prophets of Baal victoriously, uh, coming down and seeing the Valley of Megiddo, uh, Armageddon uh, from the lookout of Megiddo, um, you know, going down into Jerusalem and praying in the Garden of Gethsemane in the very area in the little private. I mean, Israel's amazing. As Pastor Chuck Smith used to teach us, and man, I believe it to be true, that a trip to Israel, a tour to Israel is like a year of Bible college. And it's, it is, it makes the Bible come alive, technicolor. And I want to invite you to our next trip. You know, we're, we're going to be heading out in February of 2019, and more details will be available on our website soon enough. But if, if you don't want to come with us or can't come with us, go with your church or find a local Calvary and go to Israel while the door is still open. It is the trip of a lifetime, and what a special time. And the, the highlight for me, just one last thing, the highlight for me is always the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the calmness, doing devos right there on the waters, and and being encouraged as I watched the team just seeking the Lord quietly uh, in that. We got there super early, so we got there before any of the tour buses got there, and uh, just seeking the Lord, and, and I had that special, you know, that special time just looking out in the water and watching my wife sit on a rock uh, with her Bible open, uh, feet in the water, just seeking the Lord. I mean, to marry a godly woman, it's unbelievably blessed, and and just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And there's highlight after highlight. One more thing. One more highlight. Uh, the Valley of Elah. It's not much of a stop. It's just that we pull off on the side of the road and we go into the Valley of Elah where Goliath was defeated by David. 
and and we always pick up a rock and throw it at that so-called giant. There's been a giant in my life for four, almost four and a half years now, and we'll just continue to throw that rock under the Lord, trusting him, and then one day we know it's going to fall. It's going to fall. God's going to have his way. His will will be accomplished. The flesh of man will be overcome. Uh, all the fleshly decisions being made will be overcome, and God will be uh, victorious because he already is. Anyway, you get me going on Israel, it could be the whole show. So thanks, Larry. Sounds like an amazing trip. Thanks for telling us about it, my friend. And Ed has picked out a book that we think you'll get a lot out of. It was written by the late pastor Chuck Smith, entitled Love, the Most Excellent Way. Love, it's something we sing about. It's featured on TV shows and in the movies, and we long for it, too. But why is it so hard to find? Pastor Chuck looks into this and points the way to real, authentic love. We'll send the book to you as our way of saying thanks for your donation to Abounding Grace of $25 or more. Your generous support is greatly appreciated and needed as we present the teaching of the Word on stations all across the nation. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryaurora.org. There's more to come in Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 1 Samuel. Tune in each day as together we seek to grow by God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel Aurora.